Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the season of Lent, we're going to be doing a sermon series called Seven, where we are focusing on the seven deadly sins and the seven cardinal virtues. The goal of this sermon series is to help us focus on our journey with Jesus as he moves towards Holy Week. I hope you enjoy. Our first reading today comes from the book of Daniel, the first chapter. Verses 3 through 17. Then the king commanded his palace master, Asphenes, to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility, young men without physical defect and handsome, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, and competent to serve in the king's palace. They were to be taught the language and literature of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine. They were to be educated for three years, so that at the end of that time they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah. The palace master gave them other names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the royal rations of food and wine, so he asked the palace master to allow him not to defile himself. Now God allowed Daniel to receive favor and compassion from the palace master. The palace master said to Daniel, I'm afraid my lord, of my lord, the king. He has appointed your food and your drink. If he should see you in poorer condition than the other young men of your own age, you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel asked the guard whom the palace master had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. You can then compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who eat the royal rations and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed to this proposal and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had been eating the royal rations. So the guard continued to withdraw their royal rations and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and skill in every aspect of literature and wisdom. Daniel also had insight into all visions and dreams. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today comes from Isaiah 22, 12 to 14, where once again the people of Israel have forgotten about God. In that day, the Lord God of hosts called to weeping and mourning, to baldness and putting on sackcloth. But instead, there was joy and festivity, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. 
The Lord of hosts has revealed himself in my ears. Surely this iniquity will not be forgiven you until you die, says the Lord God of hosts. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. During the season of Lent, we are taking a break from our church and state sermon series. I know you will be waiting with bated breath to return to the third part of this series, and that will happen after Easter. In the meantime, I have the dubious honor of introducing you to the new sermon series, which Alex developed, that will take us from tonight through the Sundays in Lent Holy Week and into our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now I say this is a dubious honor simply because Alex puts a lot of time and energy into creating these sermon series. And he had been told by some people that he should perhaps let the associates participate more in the sermon series. So it worked out very conveniently since, by the way, he is in California tonight. Uh, for the associates to participate in the sermon series right now. TC will be preaching on Sunday, the second uh, in this series. But Alex takes his series very seriously, and his last words to TC and myself were, just don't mess it up. (laughs) So I'm going to try really hard not to mess it up. As most of you know, Lent is a period of 40 days where Christians focus on walking with Jesus on that journey, that last journey that Jesus is making to Jerusalem. In order to experience the journey or make the season more meaningful, sometimes we choose uh, to give things up. Perhaps we are going to engage in a daily act of self-denial. Maybe it's our, our morning coffee, heaven forbid. Maybe it's our evening drink. Maybe it's chocolate or dessert or Facebook or television or anything in which we feel that we might be overindulging at this point. And in these 40 days, we are not only invited to some act of self-denial, but also to take up acts of service, acts of prayer, repentance, and generosity. In an effort to help all of us focus on a Lenten journey with Jesus towards Holy Week, Alex has put together this sermon series called Seven. I'm guessing that most of you have probably heard of the seven deadly sins. Even if you can't name all of them, that's okay. By the end of the series, you will be able to. The concept behind this series is that each week we will be examining one of the seven deadly sins and pairing it with its counterpart found in the less talked about cardinal virtues. The pairings look like this, gluttony and temperance, envy and kindness, sloth and diligence, greed and charity, lust and chastity, wrath and justice, pride and humility. Can't you all just wait? The goal of the series is to examine each of the deadly sins individually and how it impacts our lives. We're going to explore what drives us to engage in the sin and how it can destroy our lives and the lives of those around us. 
and then we'll focus on how God helps us overcome that particular sin by investing energy in the correlating virtue. So the hope behind the series is that each week you will leave the sanctuary a little more ready to deal with whatever the deadly sin was that was the topic for that sermon and lean more into that cardinal virtue. We'll be attempting to become more like Jesus by sacrificing those parts of our lives that get in the way of our relationship with God or of living the way Jesus invites us to live. And the hope is that once we finish the 40-day journey of Lent, we will not simply revert to our old ways, but we will have a deeper sense of who we can be when we practice the cardinal virtues. Tonight, we begin our series with the deadly sin of gluttony and the cardinal virtue of temperance. Unfortunately for all of us, we only have a few days to master this pairing because on Sunday, TC will be preaching about envy and kindness. So listen closely. Gluttony. It's a rather ugly word, isn't it? In early art and literature, it was often depicted by a human figure riding on the back of a swine or gradually turning into a swine. Now here's a picture of what gluttony can look like today. <laughs> if you can't read the caption, it says, the only sin that tastes so good. For me, the word suggests an image of a king's table with all sorts of men in their brocade robes, uh, gorging themselves on food, on drink, and on women. Some type of a medieval artistic uh, presentation. There's an ugliness that comes with images of gluttony. The overindulging that runs so contrary to our Puritan roots. In the Dictionary of Pastoral Care and Counseling, the word gluttony is defined as an inordinate desire for the pleasures connected with the sense of taste. A preoccupation with consumption that overrides both natural self-regulation and the love of the object or its creator. So have any of you ever eaten anything you loved until it made you sick and you didn't love it anymore? Or how about that self-regulation that says, oh no, I've already had two drinks tonight, I really don't need that third, but you have it anyway? or the extra helping of mashed potatoes and gravy, or whatever it is, the bag of cookies, whatever it, your nemesis is, we've all been there. We've all engaged in that overconsumption to the point that we're not even tasting what we're eating anymore. We're not listening to our brains or our bodies tell us that we've had enough. And in fact, we eat or drink so much that we begin inhaling it not even tasting it as we eat it. Much like a drug addict, we are just trying to get the food or the drink into our body as fast as we can because for some reason we think it is making us feel better or making things around us be better. <clears throat> 
Often the consequences of this mindless indulgence are disastrous. The hangover the next day, or the addiction that gradually becomes a reality. The extra pounds that come on, putting us uh, as a nation with more morbidly obese people than ever before. Now this type of gluttony is noted in both early church and early literature. Clement of Alexandria writes that gluttonous individuals are in such a hurry to feed themselves that both jaws are stuffed at once. I pictured a gerbil with his little cheeks puffed out. Chaucer focuses on the external behavior of those who want to eat too early or eat too much or eat with too much enthusiasm or with too much attention to the way the food's presented on the plate. Paul scolds the Corinthians for their gluttonous behavior around the sacrament of Holy Communion. In this passage that in the passage that we just read from Isaiah, the people are eager to eat and enjoy for tomorrow they may die. And even though God has called them to sackcloth and mourning, they're killing the sheep and the fatted calves and gorging themselves on food. In Daniel, the young men are being fed from the royal pantry rich portions of food and wine so that they will grow strong. And consider the way we treat food in our own culture. How do we encourage that recalcitrant toddler to eat? Oh, look, nummy, nummy, nummy. Or watch the airplane. Or of course, either way, it seems that we tend to promote gluttonous behavior without even realizing what we're doing. A cookie if you stop crying, a drink when you come home from a hard day of work, an extra dessert because after all you walk 10,000 steps on your Fitbit. But it's not only food that we tend to overindulge in, is it? Consider the show Hoarders on the TLC channel now, those are extreme situations, and hoarding is also a diagnosable mental illness. However, who among us doesn't have more than enough dishes? I'll own up to the fact that I have three different sets of china with 12 place settings in each. It's interesting, since it's only my husband and I most nights for supper. <laughs> And seriously, have you cleaned out your closet lately? I've moved three times in the last three years, so I'm very familiar with this. My husband and I have a standing joke about the number of work towels that we have in our home. I don't know how much work he is planning to do, but even if he has a lot of work to do, I could give each of you a work towel for the work at your own homes. And what about our clothes or shoes? How many closets do you use in your home? And what about your winter coats or your coats? In Luke's gospel, we're challenged to give away one coat if we have two. Yet I would guess that every single person in this sanctuary tonight has even more than two coats in the closet. Even as a nation, we overuse our natural resources, consuming more than any other place in the world. For a long time, there's been an awareness among professionals and amateurs that stuffing ourselves, 
whether it be with food or alcohol or drugs or things, stuffing ourselves and our closets and our homes is an indication of internal poverty. Internal poverty. We feel empty. One of the most common phrases among adults who are experiencing dementia or some form of memory loss is, I'm hungry. They are yearning for a connection they cannot name, but they can still name physical hunger. Gluttony of any kind is about a feeling of emptiness deep inside of us, a feeling that we don't have the life that we thought we were going to have or that we worked for or that we want to have, so we make up for it. I had a hard day at work tonight. I deserve to eat this cupcake. I deserve to stop at Dress Barn and buy a new blouse. Temperance, as a cardinal virtue, is the understanding that the life we have is enough. That what we have is enough and that who we are is enough. It comes from trusting that whatever God has given to us in life, we can make it work to survive, even thrive. It is the understanding that inhaling our world, whether it be through food or alcohol or things, will only lead to our destruction. We know the truth of these things. Yet when we are having a bad day or a bad week or a bad year, it can be really hard to live into the understanding that we have enough, that we are enough, that there is always enough in God's creation. In the reading from Daniel tonight, we hear that new names are given, names that we are familiar with from other Sunday school stories. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and in giving, being given these new names, they are also going to spend three years being made fit to serve in the palace. And one of the ways the king wants to make them fit is by feeding them from the royal rations and the royal wine. But Daniel has a problem with this because eating the royal rations is against the law for him, for his religious beliefs. And so he resolves not to eat the palace rations. He decides he's going to plead with the palace master and ask to be given vegetables and water instead because that will keep him in line with his religious beliefs. And we're told in the story that Daniel finds favor with the palace master, and the palace master agrees to a 10-day trial. And lo and behold, after 10 days... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, are all fatter and in better shape than the young men who have been eating the royal rations and the wine. Man, a biblical mandate to eat vegetables. <laughs> but it's there. In verse 15, at the end of 10 days, it was observed that they appeared better 
and fatter than all the young men who had been eating royal rations. Daniel and his friends chose temperance. They chose to remain in line with the way God was asking them to live. And instead of being weaker, they became stronger and healthier than those who chose the gluttony of the royal rations. Tonight we begin the observation of Lent. My prayer is that our Lent may be a holy one, that it might be a season for each of us marked by temperance rather than gluttony, a season in which we recognize that all that God has given to us is more than enough, a season in which maybe we do choose vegetables and water over rich meat and wine, a season in which we recognize that we don't need to fill ourselves with other things. We only need to be filled with God. May each of us have the strength to walk away from the gluttony of our world and walk the path of temperance that Jesus invites us to walk. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.